This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew this morning, chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Matthew three thirteen. It says, Then Jesus, no, excuse me, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I want to take the 17th verse as my text this morning. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, being back in church after several months, praise God, I want to preach on the title of this message, and it happens to fall on Father's Day, which is perfect, but I want to preach on the title, A Heavenly Father's Day. A heavenly Father's Day. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord God, once again for bringing us here, Lord God. And I thank you for this message, Lord God, that I had done before, but I had not been able to preach, Lord God. A few years back, and you put it later back on my heart, Lord. And Lord, I ask right now that you hide me behind the cross. Give me a fresh unction of your Holy Spirit as I preach this message, Lord God. Let it edify everyone here, including myself, Lord God. And we give close care to give praise and glory to your son Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Father's Day as we know it is a day where we celebrate fathers. Pretty self-explanatory. Although there were some aspects of this day that were celebrated since the Middle Ages, Father's Day got its official holiday status on June 19th. 1910 in Spokane, Washington. So not too far from here. Not too far from here. It started when a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd, one of six children raised by a widower, so that's a, a father whose wife had died, or the, the husband whose wife had died, tried to establish an official equivalent to Mother's Day for male parents. She went around to local churches, the YMCA, shopkeepers, government officials to drum up support for her idea, and she was successful. And that's why nowadays we have Father's Day. Just kind of giving you a little history about the holiday. Doesn't really necessarily relate to what we're talking about today, but it's a fun fact. <laughs> In our Bible reading, we have a scene that speaks a powerful message. Here we see a relationship between God the Father and God the Son. 
being introduced. Now let's look at some of these people. Uh, I want to say characters because this is a the Bible is an account. It's not a story. The things in the Bible happened. But some of these figures that we're reading here in the Bible. Let's look at Jesus. He is the son of God. He is not the son of Joseph. Well, hold on a second. I, I've seen a nativity scene. I've seen Mary and Joseph. No, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. Matthew 1 and 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, and saying, this is how it happened. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, essentially engaged, okay? They were not married. They were espoused. Before they came together, meaning before they were married and before they consummated a marriage. So Mary was still a virgin, despite what people want to try to say. Before they came together, before they had any sexual relation. And it says, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. So Joseph was not the father. And now we're going to make a, a funny plug. You got that talk show, Maury, and they had the DNA test. You are not the father. Well, Joseph, you are not the father. Right. Praise God that he was not the father. Because it means Jesus was nothing more than just a man. Right. If Joseph was the biological father. But I'm glad today that we got a savior who is supernatural. Right. I'm glad today that we got a savior that did not come from the world. I'm glad we have a savior that is above the world. Above the flesh. Praise God for a Savior today that is bigger and better than us. Man. Jesus was with God from the beginning. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But that is that one part right there. And the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 2, John 1 and 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus was there in the beginning before we even took our first breath. Before Adam was even formed. Even there in Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. He's saying, I'm going to make man the way I look like. Let us, more than one, me, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let us make man in our image. Jesus was approved of the Father. A lot of people, they, they go through life and they feel like they haven't been approved of their parents, of their fathers. And that's a big thing. A lot of people, they need that fatherly approval. And they do many things to try to get that. Whether it's do their best on a sports team or live up to an expectation. Jesus was pleased of the Father. The Father was pleased of Jesus. Jesus was obedient to the law of God. He never committed a single sin in his life. Right. We, many of us can't say, man, I can't even go a few minutes without committing a sin. Jesus was 100% perfect. People say, well, no one's perfect. Well, let me tell you about a man named Jesus who was perfect. Right. Everything he did was perfect. Every conversation was perfect. Nothing evil proceeded out of his mouth. Not a filthy thought entered his mind. There was never any sinful blood on his hands. Jesus is a standard for our society today. 
He's the standard for our society today. And Jesus copied the Father. Jesus was a copycat. And children, they like to copy their parents. And we take the example of a little boy and his dad. Kids copy their dads. Uh, you see this uh, in the, the shows and the movies. You'll have the father shaving with a razor. And then you'll have the son also trying to shave. Either with the back of a toothbrush because he's a little too young to shave with a razor. But he'll be mimicking his father. He watches his dad. How he conducts himself. What he does. He tries to be like his dad. When he grows up, he wants to do what his dad does. I remember very faintly uh, making that same claim about, you know, with my dad. Dad, when I would go up, I want to kind of did what my dad was doing at the time when I said that. And it was housekeeping at a veteran's home. Well, I'm glad I <laughs> And I remember, I, I almost want to say, I remember him saying, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but I just want to be like my dad. I want to copy him. And many ways in my life right now as an adult, I do copy a lot of things he does. I remember the things he taught me. And I'm glad that there's many things I did not give into because of his example. Because of what he taught. But Jesus copied the Father, John 5.19. Then answered Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So Jesus is just like the Father. Jesus even has said, If you see me, you've seen the Father. Now he's not saying, I am the Father. We do not believe in oneness. The Bible does not support oneness. Right. And that's the doctrine that God, Jesus, and Holy Ghost are one being. That he just calls himself a different name whenever he wants. But no, the Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right. Three are separate, but they are co-eternal. They are co-cooperative. They, they share the same uh, view and opinion. They agree with each other. They never argue with each other. That's why it's important for us to pray in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Praying in tongues, because that's the Holy Ghost in us praying to God. And what the Holy Ghost prays for, you know God's going to answer. Right. We can pray to God, and it may be something that God may not want for us in our life. But if the Holy Ghost is praying, you know God will absolutely answer that prayer. Amen. The exact way that the Holy Ghost is praying for it. <clears throat> Jesus was about his Father's business. That's another thing that fathers like to see about their children would be about their father's business. And you hear about that too. If, if a father owns a business, one day he hopes that his sons or, or children will be able to run it and be a part of the family business. And that was you know, huge in the early 1900s about taking over the family business. Luke 2 and 49, and he said, and he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Mm -hmm. Now, if Jesus did not like his father, why would he be about his business? Right. And if we don't like God the Father, why are we about his business? Why are we in the house of the Lord today while we could be home sleeping? While we could be uh, <coughs> on vacation? Or I don't even know what's open with everything still kind of shut down. But... We wouldn't be here. But we want to be about our father's business. We want to be about our father's love. We want to be in his house. Man. <clears throat> the father's love for Jesus. 
The Father's love for Jesus is demonstrated in our Bible reading. There was a public testimony. God the Father, with a loud voice, saying, This is my beloved Son. He proclaimed it. He didn't cover it up. He was proud to say, Jesus is my Son. He was proud to say it. He wanted to show off Jesus there in the Jordan that day. And he did. Not only by the loud voice from heaven, but by the confirming of the Holy Ghost upon Jesus in the form of a dove. He wanted to show Jesus off to the world. It wasn't the first time either. There's a reason God threw that star up in the east so that the wise men would come visit. There was a reason he threw the star up for the shepherds there in the field on that night to come pay Jesus a visit. God wanted to show the birth of his son. The various scriptures throughout the Old Testament also uh, give us a testimony of God acknowledging his son. Psalm 2 and 7, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And he has is, he is shown also his love for his son by giving Jesus all things. That's one of those things too, is a father giving their, his children things, buying them the toys, buying them the bikes, maybe paying for their college, buying them their first car. And yes, I know the mom is involved in the buying process too, so don't get me wrong. But when the father passes away, he writes the children into the will to give them something left over. God the Father gave Jesus all things. He First of all, he gave him the right of judgment. John 5 and 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now when you hear judgment, you think, oh, oh no, we're talking about hellfire and brimstone. But there's also righteous judgment. Right. Looking down, Jesus looking down and saying, you know what? This servant of mine has been faithful. He has been faithful, and I want to bless him. I've judged him righteous. I've judged him precious. He needs a healing. I've judged him worthy of that healing. Right. But he's given Jesus the right of judgment. <clears throat> He has given Jesus full control of the church. Not only the buildings. We got to go to God first before we start messing with the building too. I know we rent here. So, you know, the, the landlord has a say in different things. But if we owned our own church building and we want to add an extension, we would go to the Lord first in prayer. Jesus, will this benefit your ministry? Would this benefit your congregation if we put a fellowship hall on here? Or, Lord, should we move to a bigger facility? We go to Jesus about everything pertaining to the church. But then the real aspect of the church is the people. The men and women who gather, where two or more gathered in his name, there he is in the midst, where two or more gathered, you have a church. He gave Jesus control over the church, Ephesians 1 and 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He has put the enemies of God in Jesus' path. Psalm 110, verse 1. 
A psalm of David, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool. Now, I do want to rephrase that part. Not the scripture, but what I just said. God, the Father, is taking care of Jesus' enemies. Jesus doesn't have to. God, the Father, I will take care of your enemies until I put them under your footstool. And God gave Jesus the right hand of the throne. Not the lower throne, not a small seat in the lobby of the, of the temple in heaven. He said, sit here at my right hand. Hebrews 1 and 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God the Father saying, after Jesus rose from the grave, pay for our sins. And when Jesus ascended up to heaven, saying, you sit here, right next to me, equal in power, equal in authority. All these points in scriptures tell us how much God the Father loves his son Jesus. They were together in the beginning, father and son Jesus obeyed the Father because he loved the Father, and the Father blessed Jesus because he loves his Son. And I alluded to this a little bit earlier. There in Genesis, saying, Genesis 1 and 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. So what's happening here? The creation of this creature known as man. Mankind. Father and son creating man together. You can kind of picture the father and son working on a project together. But this was going to be a little different than just a father and son building a birdhouse. This is going to be different than a father and son uh, building one of those solar systems for school. God the Father and the Son were building something with a little more value. God created man so that he could have someone to love just like him. He said, let us make man. He wasn't telling Jesus, I'm, I'm replacing you. He said, let's make it together in our image, something that we both can love. And there's something that can love us back. We know that God is a trinity. And I spoke of this earlier. He's Father. You got the Son and you got the Holy Ghost. But God created man perfect. And he was pleased with his creation. Of Adam. The first man. The word Adam means man. It wasn't necessarily his name. Like you would uh, call somebody an Adam nowadays. Yeah, I'm going to name you Adam. The word Adam meant man. And Eve is taken from the man, woman. But mankind was meant to be children of God also. It wasn't just going to be God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost for all eternity up in heaven alone. God also wanted more sons and he wanted daughters. God wanted a big family. God wanted a big 
happy family. But then something had happened. Something had happened. And this family that was created to be loving, caring, and there's not a lot of loving, caring families in this world. You look at statistics of child abuse. They're saying child abuse had actually gone unreported during this time of corona because the kids weren't in school to where they could be you know, report the child abuse. And that's what a lot of social workers had feared is with the children, the parents being home in these abusive homes as it is that it was going to be a lot worse. But this happy home, something had happened. And here in Isaiah 53, and it's a little bit of a reading, so bear with me. Isaiah 53 and 1, something happens here. He said, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And this is speaking of Jesus. And as a root of out of the ground, of the dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was Wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and chastised for our peace was upon him. And with our stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from the prison of judgment. And whom shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he hath done no violence. Neither was deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. And it's now speaking of God the Father. To bruise him. It pleased God to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What is that speaking of? That is speaking of the crucifixion of the Son of God. But not at the, the, the doings of man. Yes, it was the Roman soldiers who nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the religious hypocrites that uh, sent Jesus to the cross, convinced the government to crucify him. But it was God's plan, God the Father's plan, to have his son killed. This whole big happy family ruined. And it's all because mankind turned to sin. The, one, the two members of the family, the first two, and it got passed off down to us too. Destroyed the family when they turned to sin. And that's what happens in modern families too. It happens in the modern home 
household today, it takes one person's sin to destroy the whole family. It takes one person's sin. Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. People talk about a generational curse. I've heard this before. I heard different uh, Christians talking about it, how a generation will continue to follow a path where there's poverty or drug use or whatever. Well, you know what? In a way, that is right, because there is a generational curse. It's called sin. And it started back in the Garden of Eden. When the man and the woman sinned, gave in the sin, it was passed down to every one of us. Throughout all generations. You hear some people say, I'm not going to get specific about it, but they say, well, I was born this way. If you get what I'm referencing, now is there an excuse? I was born this way. And you know what? In some aspect, I'm going to say, yes, you were. You were born that way. You were born in sin. So is every one of us. And that doesn't mean you get to continue to live in it. Jesus died to bring us out of it. But this big old happy family. God. Mankind. The son of God was shattered. And mankind had fallen just like a rebellious child. We brought grief to the heart of God the Father. Sin caused a separation between us and God. Keep in mind, we're talking about Father's Day. Just like when parents cannot bear to see their children living contrary to what they taught them to live. Because of mankind falling into sin, we caused ourselves to face the eternal destiny, which is hell. Hell was not meant for mankind. It was meant for the devil and his angels. And that's scripture. That's not opinion, that's scripture. And no one could go to heaven living in sin. No one could go to heaven living in sin. Sin is like a disease that affects every aspect of a person's life. It really does. Everything gets shattered when you start giving into sin. And it affects those who love you too, your loved ones. Being a good person isn't good enough. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, good works during this time of the COVID. People are uh, donating and uh, helping out and making masks and cleaning up uh, different businesses due to the, uh, the protests for the other event that had occurred. People doing good works. But that does not mean you're going to get to heaven. That does not get you into heaven. That does not save you from your sins. No person is good enough. Sin became the nature of man. With no hope, mankind was lost. But there we had something, though. There was something that was in place that could help us out. And that was the Father's love for mankind. Father has always loved mankind. He has never stopped loving mankind. Does that even mean he approves of mankind? Absolutely not. Love and approval are two separate things. You can love somebody not, but not approve of what they're doing. The Father never stopped loving mankind, even though mankind has absolutely stopped loving God. 
You know, I know every one of us can say, well, if that person doesn't like me, then I can care less about them. We all can, we can name somebody right now that we have that feeling towards. Or we've had that feeling towards. But God never stopped it. No matter how much the world hates them, no matter how much they try to get God out of our society, His love is steadfast. His love is, is enduring. And he knew, he knew of a way that mankind could be saved if we choose to accept this plan. He would offer up His beloved Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins. He would crucify one to save the other. The whole reason Jesus came down from heaven to be born of flesh was to die a human death. His whole mission was to pay the penalty for our sins. One child paying the price for the other children. He was marred more than any man, beaten, shredded to pieces because of the whippings. He was mocked, humiliated, and suffered three days and nights in hell so that we could be forgiven. Jesus went to hell. Jesus went to hell. He didn't just get crucified and stayed asleep for three days in the grave and just woke up. No, he had to go to hell and pay for our sins. And because he didn't have any sins of his own, that's why he wasn't allowed to stay there. The law of God said he has no sin of his own. Because the wages of sin is death. It pleased the Father to send Jesus to the cross. Why? Because he loves you. He loves us. Jesus was not created by the Father. We were. They are both co-eternal. But God formed man with his hands. His very own spirit did he impart to us that day in the garden. We are in his image. We look like dad. We look like dad. He put us in the hands of Jesus. The father's plan was that Jesus would pay the price for our sins. That if we accept Jesus, the perfect child, then we too would be accepted. That we too would be accepted. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It is by the blood of Jesus that we can be set free from sin. It is by the blood of Jesus that we can be reunited with the Father from whom all blessings flow. The Father's love for us caused Him to punish the one who had done no wrong. His love for us and desire for us to escape judgment and hell caused Him to take our sins and put them on his only begotten. And here in John 1 and 12 it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. With everything that's going on, Jesus is the answer. If you are feeling separated, that you don't have the love of a father in your life. God the Father is there 
And he's willing to form a relationship with you. We were the black sheep of the family. We decided that we did not want to be part. That we wanted to go off and do what we wanted. That we wanted to live in sin. And you know, a lot of people could be preaching this morning on this Father's Day about the prodigal son. And that's kind of what it is like. We wanted, we wanted to get away. We, we took our inheritance, this life that God gave us, and we went and we, we partied and we got wrapped up in sin and we brought grief to the, the heart of the Father. But today... Right now, we can come back. The blood of Jesus allows us to come back and give our lives and reunite with our Father who had never moved. There is no social distancing with God. He said, if we draw nigh unto Him, He will draw nigh unto us. And this morning, that is the question. What is the best gift we can give to our Father? What is the best Father's Day gift? For God the Father, it's not a lawnmower. It's not a, a coffee cup. It's not uh, some hot meal. The best gift that we can give to the Father who gave you life today, that gave us life, is to give them back our lives. To return home. That's what God wants. He wants His children to return home. That's what He wants. He doesn't want anything else. He wants us to be free from sin. He looks down and sees us being tormented in sin day in, day, day out. And if you're a parent, and I know i got the podcast running, and if you're and they're listening and you're a parent. And you, it breaks your heart when you see your children in danger or sick. Think about what it does to the heart of the Father. Give God the best gift you can today. By giving Him your life. By asking His Son Jesus into your heart. Letting His blood cleanse you. Being reunited back into the family of God. I remember a preacher saying that God's worst day was not on the cross. It was not seeing Jesus being crucified. And Jesus' worst day was not being crucified. God's worst day will come at the final judgment when those who refuse. To love God back. When those who would rather live in sin and destruction. Will ultimately be judged. That's when God's heart will absolutely break. When he has to see his creation punished. For their sin. But for you. Today. That doesn't have to be the case. You can bring a, a smile to the face of God. This morning or today or whenever. Maybe here in this podcast or in service with us. The best gift you can give to the Father 
is your life and your love and your worship. Let us find a place to pray. Let us find a place to pray right now and go ahead and begin to start to sing. All it takes is you asking Jesus into your life. Jesus is the method that God the Father has used to save mankind. Asking Jesus into your life will put a smile on the Father's face to where he too can say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. There is nothing so bad that you have done that God will not forgive you right here and right now. All you got to do is ask for forgiveness and give your life to him. God bless you.